You are listening to the Torah Sparks Podcast, the podcast that finds and ignites sparks of spiritual light and meaning in anything and everything, bringing out lessons and values straight from the Holy Torah. I am your host, Ori Strum. Let's jump right in. Hey, welcome back to another Torah Sparks podcast. I hope you enjoyed a wonderful, beautiful break. I hope you had a wonderful Pesach, but we're right back at it. Um, You know, you always have to have an analogy up your sleeves to be able to describe your name to somebody who's never heard it. And I find personally with my name, Ori, I find sometimes people have a hard time. They, I get a lot of double takes, a lot of second guesses. What would you say, Ori? Or Corey, Lori, Jory, Fori, Maury, Dory, Jory. Like, no, no, it's not Dory, it's not Corey, it's not Lori, it's none of the above. You know what? Say Oreo cookies, right? I do it like that. Oreo cookies. Okay, now take out the O cookies part and just put in the first part. Ori, okay? Or that, that, and I, when I give that analogy of the Oreo cookies, it makes it more it likely, it makes them more, um, oh, yeah, I, I could see, I can pronounce, I can say that. And the reason why I bring up Oreo cookies, number one, it's it's by far my favorite cookie. And you'll you'll see in a moment, it's it's not only my favorite cookie, it's actually America's favorite cookie. Um, but I wanted to bring out a lesson and insight fr- from this. And it just, it, if you think about the Oreo cookie, it's interesting. In 2004, Nabisco, which is the brand that makes the Oreo cookies, they decided to, to change the Oreo cookie slogan from America's favorite cookie to milk's favorite cookie, and it's this slogan that that really bothers me. Um, it's interesting, based on science and research, it's it's possible to figure out what is the American people's favorite cookie, right? You just run a research, you run a study, a pew, whatever, whatever, however type of method, whichever college wants to do, whatever society wants to do this research, you can actually determine what is America's favorite cookie, but. To go so brazen and to be so bold as to say milk's favorite cookie, I mean, milk is, is an inanimate byproduct of a cow. And, and to claim that, it is, that the milk has a favorite cookie, that's mind-bogglingly perplexing. By the way, that word mind-bogglingly, I one time wrote it in an article, mind-bogglingly, and I got some feedback about it, like, hey, like, buddy, you made up a word. And it's interesting, mind-boggingly actually is a word. Um, you put a little hyphen after the word mind before boggingly, and it becomes an adverb, but it actually is a word. Um, it doesn't show up with having, like, that red uh, swivel underline. So I'm just saying, pointing that out. But my point is that you can't you, you can't say that milk has a favorite cookie. You could say America does have a favorite cookie. So that is my one question on... Nabisco Oreo cookies from the, that well, the fact that they switched their slogan. I'll, I'll, I don't think I'll under I don't think I'll ever understand it. But on the topic of Oreo cookies, have you ever wondered how can people eat an entire pack of these Oreo cookies in one sitting? And a fascinating experiment was done in 2010 by scientists led by Professor Joseph Schroeder, I assume he was Jewish, at Connecticut College, where rats were given, of course, rats, right? I mean, rats are like the lowest of society. They always get 
thrown into these experiments. I, I feel bad for them. So the rats were given Oreo cookies to see how they would react to the high-fat, high-sugar combo from the cookies. And they found that the nucleus accumbens, or the pleasure center of the brain, responded the same way to Oreos as it would to drugs such as cocaine or morphine. In fact, more pleasure receptors in the brain were activated when the rats ingested Oreos versus cocaine, which can potentially mean, according to this study, that Oreos make us happier and higher than illegal drugs. Now, that is now that is mind-bogglingly perplexing, right? And why am I talking about Oreo cookies, drugs, getting high? Why am I talking about these things? And I think because you know, as as Yidden, as Jewish people, we, we obviously, I, I guess I would say, discourage that that philosophy. It's not a philosophy, but that um, but that approach. We do believe to a certain extent in getting high, but not in the what the world, the pleasure of getting high. We don't believe in that type. But we do find in this week's parsha, parsha's achre, just for statistics for all those baseball fan lovers and you know fantasy football players or just maybe. Parsha stat lovers. This week's Parsha, Parsha's Achremos, has 28 mitzvos, 80 verses, 1,170 words, and 4,294 letters. So in this week's Parsha Achrei, most the Torah says in chapter 18, verse 5, the words, V'chai bahem, and you shall observe my decrees and my laws, man, which, which man shall carry out and by which he shall live. V'chai bahem, in you know, simple terms, and you shall live by them. It's a reference to the Torah, to the mitzvos, but the Torah is telling us something interesting. Live by them. Like we know the adage, like it, it says, one of the pesukim, ki heim chayenu v'orech yemenu. Right? It's the life, it's the length of our days. Torah is our life. V'chay behem, you shall live by them. So it's interesting, the numerical value, the gematria of v'chay behem is 71. 71 is the numerical value of Yonah. Yonah is the bird, the dove, which the Jewish people are compared to. Now, what is the connection between v'chai bahem, and you shall live by them, and the Yonah, the dove? The Gemara in Meseches Brachos 53b says something incredible about the Yonah, about the dove. It says, My Yonah eno nitzoles, ele bekanfeha, af Yisrael eno nitzolin, ele bemitzos. Just as the dove, just as the Yonah is saved by using its wings, so too the Jewish people are saved through their mitzvah observance. What do we see? It's interesting. We see a correlation, a connection between the Torah, mitzvos, and wings. It's almost as if the Chazal is making a connection between Torah and wings. Just like a dove is saved through its wings, so too are the Jewish people saved through the Torah and mitzvos, through the mitzvah observance. In other words, the mitzvah observance is like the wings of the Jewish people. And there's a clear connection between wings and Torah. What wings do? What do wings serve? What do wings provide for an animal, specifically for a bird? It provides the means to fly, to go from point A to point B by means of flight, by means of height, by means of altitude, by means of soaring high to great lofty and holy places. That's what it means for, you know, birds, okay, whether they're going holy places, I don't know, I can't vouch for birds. Um, but what I could vouch for is the Torah and mitzvahs, and those are the wings of Klal Yisrael. Torah and mitzvahs are the wings of the Jewish people, and just like wings provide flight for a bird, so too the Torah and mitzvahs 
Cosmos provides flight, it provides altitude, it provides us the ability to soar extremely high. Just like the dove flies very high and is saved through its wings, so too the Jewish people are saved through our Torah, through our mitzvah observance. It allows us to live and to be and to conduct ourselves on a spiritual high. And my friends, there's a clear difference between pleasure-filled high that's experienced through the consumption of Nabisco Oreo cookies and the pleasure-filled high that is experienced through a life of Torah and mitzvahs. Oreo cookies, illegal drugs, the consumption of all of that offers a very immature, distorted, and fleeting high. It doesn't last, right? That's why you have to keep doing it. And that's why it's addicting. You just have to keep doing it because you never get enough. But the Torah learning, it's also, you know, it could be addicting. You know, hopefully, Halavai Torah should be, become addicting that we should want it. That we should want to do it. And she got to the level where there, you, you know, there's never, there's never enough. You always want to do more and more. But the uh, but one moment of Torah learning, one second of Torah observance, it, there's a certain sustainability in that. There's a certain kiyumis, there's a certain um, vitality in even just one moment of that that will last you for generations and generations and will impact your children, your, grand, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. You never know the power, the effectiveness, the fortitude of just one mitzvah, of just one hour, of just one minute of learning. You don't even realize how much you can gain, how much it offers, and how much it really brings you to incredibly lofty and high places. So the Torah learning and mitzvah observance that we do, it offers a mature and genuine and everlasting spiritual high. V'chai behem, the words in this week's parsha, it, res- it resonates in each and every one of us into, the, into the, the fibers of our very being. And it teaches us that a Torah life is a life worth living. And a life worth living is the greatest pleasure that one can experience. Rashi, incredibly on the... On these words, V'chai Bahem says, L'olam haba, to the, the world to come. He's drawing this connection between the, between the Torah mitzvah observance on this world and the world to come, L'olam haba. And on some level, we can perhaps understand this as follows. A person who follows the Torah and lives by the mitzvos will be able to experience on some level Olam Haba here on Olam Haza. In fact, again, I can't vouch. I don't know if this is what this Fas Emes is actually saying. This is how I understood it. But on the very, in the introduction to Pirkei Avos, we say the words, Kol Yisrael, every Jew, Yeshlehem, is to them, Chilak Olam Haba, in proper English. Every Jew has a portion for the world to come. And the Fas Emes says... The way I understood that to mean, I'm not sure if he means this exactly or not, is the following, that everyone has a chilek for Olam Haba, even on Olam Hazet. Everyone has a chilek of Olam Haba, yet yes, in the next world of Mirza Hashem, you'll be rewarded for all the good that you do, for all the good that you did here on this world. But there's also an element of Olam Haba that exists gamba Olam Hazet, that exists here on this world as well. And when we connect ourselves to the Torah and mitzvahs, and when we connect ourselves to the Abishtar, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and we connect ourselves to doing the right thing, to doing the good thing, to doing the Emes thing, 
things, to being honest in business, to being to being careful in our in our avodas Hashem, to being scrupulous, to being the right and 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 good people that we are meant to be, then we are truly donning ourselves in those wings. But not just like those joke butterfly wings that you don on Purim, right? You're, the, the, you know, you, you think you're like an angel or something like that. It's not that. The Chai Bahem means you're putting on those wings just like the dove has its wings and it is saved by it. The Chai Bahem, when you when you take upon Torah and mitzvahs, and whether it's a whole Seder, whether it's a few minutes here, whether it's one mitzvah here, a whole bunch of mitzvahs, whatever it is, when you take upon that, you're dawning on yourself a real set of spiritual wings that will carry you, that will carry your children, that will carry your grandchildren, and who knows how many other Jewish people, as well as the world around you. So my friends, I leave you off with this message, the message of the v'chai bahem, that we shall live by them. Realize that the Torah and mitzvot that we do, that we take upon ourselves, is our own set of wings to allow us to soar to incredibly holy and lofty places. I wish you only success. I wish you a successful holy week. And Amir Tashem, we'll see you next week. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, Please feel free to leave a rating, leave a review, and see you next time.